0: Hi, my name is Mark Ackroyd, Head of Advice Delivery, Strategy and Innovation here at Lumian, And welcome to Lumient Live, the podcast for advice professionals that believe in a values-based advice experience, but still have that question, how does it all work? The Lumian Live podcast connects listeners with other advice professionals to hear best practice client stories or business examples and lifts the lid on how they made it happen. Today, I'm joined by Sue Viscovich from Elixir Consulting. G'day, Sue. Hi
1: Mark, great to be
0: here. Lovely to have you on board. So for for those that don't know Sue, Sue Viskovich is first and foremost a proud mother of four. She's also the founder of national consulting business Elixir Consulting, a popular speaker, a business coach and an author of a number of books, research reports and programs designed for advisors. Sue's an award-winning advocate for financial advice and small businesses And Sue and her team specialise in helping advisors to improve their businesses with a firm focus on delivering better outcomes for their clients. Sue is also a non-executive director on the Lumion board, so we want to be transparent up front, but joins us today in her capacity as a business coach who has helped many advice businesses with their client engagement processes. So thanks for joining us, Sue, and, and we're really excited to have you on board because today we're going to cover off a few really important topics that I know uh, 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 our listeners will get a lot out of as they consider how to embed a values-based advice experience into their business. So we'll cover off things like how to decide what, what to use and, and how to go through that decision making process and then how do they implement uh, what they've ended up deciding. So if we start, Sue, with, with your experience what you've seen, when you're working with practices, what are some of the things they've got to think through when they're uh, deciding what they're going to use?
1: It's a great place to start, Mark, because I know values-based advice is, is one of those things that um, a lot of advisors love the concept of, love love the idea of. They're really keen to move their conversations a little bit deeper than perhaps what the, the traditional old school advice um, method looked like. But it's... Uh, on one hand, it's very new to them, and on the other, it's actually quite a natural conversation for them to be having, because most advisors, although they play in the numbers, most of them are people people, right? they They know how to have warm conversations with people. Um, so where, and it's it's a really good point that you made that I am on the board, and I might actually just, touch on that too because it's actually very close to this whole point about how do you decide if, if or what you're going to use as a tool so i've been running alexa for about 15 years we've got four coaches around the country working with advice firms we that's that's that we specialize in financial advice firms and i would have to say that it would be about 80 to 90% of the firms when we come in and work with them will always analyse the business first and look at their big picture. And 80 to 90% of them would find that they're not 100% comfortable in their client experience, be it the onboarding experience for new clients, or how do they deliver their ongoing services. And it's not just because more recently, we've had to move to annual agreements, and they want to make sure people are really convinced, but it's also the whole process. So what the client sees, how you get to Build trust as quickly as possible, how you get beyond surface level conversation and into the real stuff. But it's also then the technology side afterwards. How do you collate data as best as possible? How do you reflect back the knowledge that you have of those clients? How do you keep them engaged with the strategies that you're recommending for them over time? And so, pretty much for the last decade and a half, a lot of firms have actually worked with us to then unpack it and go, okay, well, Right from the beginning conversation, when the client inquires, how do we handle that, and and what gets sent out to them, and what can we do to improve that experience, and what are the conversations we're having, and then how do we gather the data? So it's actually a massive, massive job to redesign that entire experience, as well as build in automated solutions with the back office to make the efficiency piece there, and to ensure that you're really delivering compliant advice and you tick all the boxes, and often firms get partway through and they're trying to build their tech stack and they're trying to do different things and and it's a hugely time-consuming process and often uh, they only get about half of what they would like to get because they don't even know where to look and, and yeah so it's trying to reinvent the wheel I've been there I've done it with so many firms for so long so when looming came along and I saw what Santi and the team were building, and they invited me to come on the board. I jumped a chance because I, I absolutely know just what a challenge this is, and also how important it is. Um, because if we don't start really delivering to client outcomes in much more involved ways than just investments, you know, the robo investors are yeah that that that's, that can be done very cheaply, very easily. So we've got to get better at this engagement. So. The question being, where do you start? So if you're a firm that's looking at at doing this, so I'm guessing people listening have already kind of got to the point of going, yeah, we don't love our process at the moment. We know we could do better. And we love the concept of values-based advice. Um, All sounds shiny. Right, let's get into it. Um, So the first thing I would suggest is get really clear on what it is that you're trying to create for your clients. You know, the whole value proposition. What are you actually saying to people that you're doing for them? Because if it is saying, I'm going to help you live your best life, I'm going to help you make great decisions now and into the future so you can, you know, live the life that you design, then that might be you'd be looking at the tools through a different lens to I'm, I'm the best investment manager and I'm going to get you a better return on your investment dollars that you park with me. And then you wanna have a look at, well, what's missing in your current process? Um, And I think I'd really encourage people to look through the lens of saying, if I'm, whether I'm in a business that's got two advisors or whether I've got 20, it's critically important that you can create this systemized way of engaging with clients. And we use that language, you've gotta systemize if you're gonna be able to personalize at scale. Because too often we rely on the advisors sitting in front of the clients to be able to have good conversations uh, and ask any back office person or any power planner uh, just how often file notes are quite lacking because they may have had the conversation but they haven't captured it or they didn't have the conversation this time because it went down a rabbit hole somewhere else and they didn't actually gather all of the information they needed. So to be able to have a structured set of conversations with a structured set of tools that all of your team are trained in, in using means that you're going to get this consistency and that's really the only way that you're going to scale. Um, and so when, you, when you're when you looking at how do I decide if I'm going to use Lumion or if I'm going to use another tool or if I'm going to build my system myself and put my tech stack together, I really encourage people to be saying how can I make sure that I have similar questions and I go to similar places with every client and so too does every advisor doesn't matter who someone books an appointment with in this firm they're going to get a similar experience albeit a slightly different personality sitting in front of them and the conversation itself because it's so stylized and personalized to that human that's sitting in front of you the conversations are of course going to be very different but they're going to be cut straight to the core of what's really important to the client. So I think keeping one eye on that and being really clear about what you're trying to create um, and I think also just have in the back of your mind this this concept of scalability because we know already that advice, qualified advisors, um, we're not building enough new ones to replace those who are leaping. We are going to continue to see a skills shortage in financial advisors and so therefore wanting to create some scale so that, each advisor can handle more clients and that the client actually has, um, we, at Alexa, we use this term, a a team serviced approach. So you want to ensure that the clients have touch points, not just with one single advisor in the business, that they have, you know, there might be a CSM, there might be a a client advocate. uh, There's other people that they speak to that they know that the relationship is with the firm, not just that, that one advisor in there. And so I think if, if you can find something that ticks all of those boxes, um, and ideally I would also suggest finding something that also can create training materials or has training materials for a great way to, to um, show your whole team how to use it properly uh, and develop those skills, yeah, I think that's that's really important. And obviously, you know, look at all of the, details of it the tech stack how that fits with what you've got at the moment making those decisions um sometimes it might be that you're going to use all of the system from the get-go other times you might have something that's already working really well in your business so you're going to plug that part in uh just just be really clear on what you're wanting to achieve uh through through the process and that's going to make that
0: decision a lot easier Um, yeah so let's let's unpack maybe a couple of those to to recap you know, Tip one, be really clear on what you're trying to achieve. What's your value proposition? Tip two, do a bit of a, a gap analysis. We always love that term in financial planning, don't we? Um, around, well, if that's the proposition I want, where is it missing in my current process? And your aim's there as t- trying to build systems by the sounds of things, Sue, because uh, I think your, your next tip was around keeping scale in mind because whilst you may not be the big behemoth of a business you, you want to be right now, Um, more and more client registers are coming up, more and more advisors are coming through. So we're seeing it more and more that you have to replicate your experience at scale so that clients can feel, as you put it, that they're team serviced or firm serviced within the practice. And lastly, considering training materials and tech stack um, as as enablers of that. What's the... um, So you're quite methodical in that process. Deliberately so, is it Sue that you start with the value prop first as opposed to maybe your current tech stack? What's the what's the risk of doing it the other way around?
1: Well because every decision that you want to make in your business has got to centre around your client and what your promise is to them. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I skip the bit that actually comes before the value proposition, and we talk about this all the time: is being understand who who understanding who you're serving. So who is your targeted clientele? We can't be all things to all people anymore, unless you've got a really big business with lots of lots and lots of advisors that have different specialties. So it's it, it's critical, right? Because there are so many different um, ideas and solutions that you can look at in the market today, and it does get overwhelming because. You know, I'm also incredibly mindful that anybody that's looking at making some changes in their business, in most cases, they're also in the business. They don't just have the luxury of working on the business. Yeah, yeah. So they've got a limited amount of time. So it is important to keep that focus of what is it that I'm trying to build? Who am I serving? What am I promising to be delivering to them? And being very... Honest, when you then reflect on, am I actually delivering on the promises that I'm either making or that I would like to be able to make to people? Yeah, there's there's no
0: accident there. I would assume, Sue, that um, that's a really important unifying piece for if you've got multiple advisors that might have different backgrounds of how they were trained in advice, or maybe you've acquired a new business and they they believe something a little bit differently. Getting this right can sort of unify everyone.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. It sure yeah. does. And and it it's it kind of, it also has this beautiful result of kind of just cutting away the nonsense. I yeah. was going to swear then. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there's so much noise. There's so many things to be concerned about in advice. And when you really just cut down to the core of, What have I promised my clients? What do I want to deliver? Then sometimes all those little rabbit holes we go down actually are a lot shallower and we don't have to worry about them so much because at the core of what we do, yes, we want to be compliant. Yes, we want to do all these different things. Yes, we want to increase the asset value of our business by their profitability and so forth. At the end of the day, all of that comes when you deliver on the promises that you're making. And and when you have a really good promise to make because that's what people are buying when they come to Yeah,
0: you. yeah. Get the promise right first, then deliver on yeah. that promise. Yeah, exactly. So, so let's shift gears then. So say you do all that work, which let's mm-hmm. not underestimate it. It's it's a mountain mm-hmm. of work, which it's is significant. Yep. Yeah, yep. which is what you go you want are to do your really due diligence at. properly. Absolutely. Especially when you start applying your tech stack to it because it could get super expensive if you don't get it right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, exactly. So you get all that right. Um yep. now's the time for the practice principal or the managing director to stand up in front of their team and go this is how we're doing it. Yeah, hey what, guys, what, what happens there?
1: <laughs> um well, the, the biggest piece of advice I would give there is understand, be very clear that you're about to go through a change management process. Yeah. Um, And tackle it as such. Consider it as a project and ensure that you bring people, oh, God, this is going to sound so wanky. I hate that term, but bring people on the journey
0: with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm right. a sucker so, for the term journey. You're in a you're
1: in safe yeah, company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, so, so, you're going to want to embed this as your new DNA across the firm. So it means that everyone's going to have to buy into it. Everyone's Everyone's got to be committed to doing it. And the key to ha- having that happen, whether it be changing your client engagement experience that we're talking about now or any other change that you want to make in your business, in order to get your team buying into it, they need to understand why. So if if you as the principal or the practice manager, or whoever you are that's making this decision, if you bring your team along the thought process with you, ideally actually get them involved in the thought process at the outset so that you're not just blindsiding them with something new and they they say, oh, but I like something else that's shinier than that. Um, Get them involved in the decision-making process so they've understood why and then understand that it's not its not going to come naturally. It's its any change. everybodys It's not like you're starting with a clean sheet of paper. You've never taken a client through your business before. So everybody is going to have been doing it slightly differently. And so therefore, they're going to need to change some elements of, of how they do things. Now, um, th- what's really key to that too is that it's not just the advisors that are going to need to change because you will have a different... Um, you'll be adjusting your procedures manual, your workflows and so forth will be slightly altered as well. So to empower your power planners and your admin support team, make sure they understand what's happening and get them involved. And usually it's actually not the advisors that have the detail kind of mindset around recreating processes, um, that's typically someone that that loves their back office and, and, and runs the back office. So get them involved in in rejigging your processes for how to take clients through. Um, and I, I think get people excited about it. You know, understand that the passion behind why we're doing this because then when it does get a little bit tricky or, or maybe a link doesn't work or maybe someone's not used to which form to send to somebody or whatever, that, that's still okay because it's a positive outcome that the clients and the business are going to achieve from, from implementing this. Um, so one of the other things around that too that I think is is incredibly important is whatever system you choose, if it's got really good training in it, absolutely embrace it because there, there's, for years, we've lamented the fact that every piece of advisor training Well, there's two elements to this. Every piece of advisor training has been around the technical proficiency of delivering financial advice. There is very little in the way of training for people's We call them soft skills, communication skills, understanding emotion, understanding human behaviour, human connection. There's not a lot of training ground for advisors to to explore that. And so these, I mean, I I love the the training sessions on things like values-based conversations because advisors are actually able to try things out and test them and play with them in a safe environment before they sit in front of clients. And that's critical. But the other thing that we lament about training is there's very little training for back-office stuff. You go to any PD day conference, anything else, there's very little that's aimed at upskilling your your power planners, your um, admin support team, your CSOs, CSMs. Um, So this is actually, you know, if you're going to implement something that creates some change in the back office, don't just expect that they can pick something up and and run with it immediately. You know, they're going to need some training. Yeah, or they know how and
0: why it fits or...
1: Yeah, or where it fits, exactly. So, yeah, Address it as a true change management process. Start by getting everybody on the same page and understanding why it's worth doing this. Uh, Have a project plan. So as you embed it throughout the business, think of the back office impact as well uh, and keep checking in on the progress that you're making. And, and, you know, something that I see people forget all the time is, is thank and encourage their people sort of, you know, celebrate the little milestones along the way as as you're making changes and you're seeing the outcomes from clients. The advisors are going to be the ones that will hear the clients tell them, oh my God, this is amazing. Thank you so much. If you never share that with the back office, um, then they're going to be feeling like they're doing all this different work and there's no real purpose for it.
0: Yeah. So um, I think that's a really great point because, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, but I know, um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> let's go with, let's, let's unpack two things. So um, it sounds to me like, you know, we're talking about the dreaded skills practice or, or role plays as part of training, and, and that's not just for advisors or, or support staff, but Let's start with that. How important is actually leaning into that tough or awkward experience mm. and doing that sort of soft skill work
1: yeah. as opposed to just
0: watching a video and going, Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, I can do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's so important. And, you know, nobody loves a role play. Nobody. Um, it, it's the one thing that everybody wants to shy away from. You know, I think if they're told they're going to a training course, they're going to do that, that, you know, <laughs> they get a little bit sick that morning. Yeah. Um,
0: You find the furthest function room to go and uh, do your your skills practice in so the facilitator can't find you. So nobody hears you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um,
1: But but, but do embrace it, lean into it because people, it's very rare that you've ever been able to listen to yourself when you're interviewing a client or having a client conversation. Um, And so, you know, uh, I think actors do this uh, anytime you can video yourself do something and then you get to watch it back later. Even if no one else is there giving you insights or tips, even doing that yourself is incredibly powerful because you go, oh, my God, why did I scratch my nose when they said that? It looked like I was uncomfortable. Or, Oh, I didn't even notice that he moved his arm there or he looked at her. I didn't even pick up on that. And so the ability to reflect back on how you do things, we don't get to have that very often. Um, and and having anybody external to be able to give us some tips on that it does require a certain level of confidence to be open to receive that support um but it i think it's a uh, really important part of our learning and growing as a person is to be able to keep improving that Um, we get exams we get um, cpd quizzes all the time on our technical knowledge so yeah you would expect that you would be able to improve that but how on earth are you going to improve your human connection skills if you never get to 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 learn and, and improve and reflect on how you do things the other thing I love about that kind of training stuff is it's very rare that advisors ever get to actually listen to other advisors engage with clients because um, a lot of advisors have never actually been to see another financial advisor as a client, um, uh, at, let alone sat in and listen to them speak to a client or, or, or take them through a process. So just because you've been doing something for 20 years doesn't mean you can't learn how to improve or you've it also doesn't mean that you've actually had every single client scenario that could ever happen you know what happens if somebody breaks down what happens if they start having an argument what happens if somebody decides they're going to leave their job because there's no purpose there I mean you know so many different things so the human experience is so broad and varied and I think if you ever get the opportunity to have somebody help you explore the way you have conversations and react to people
0: I'd say jump at it
1: feel the fear and do it anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, everyone's got different backgrounds. And as you said, we'll pick up different things based on yeah. you know, past experiences they've had. And, you know, learning comes from everywhere, doesn't it? Sure does. Sure yeah. does. Um, the other thing I love that you mentioned earlier about the change management process, so we celebrate the little wins. We, we can't assume that this is going to work overnight, but when it does work, let's make sure everyone knows about it so that we know we feel we're on the right track. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a great yeah. Tip. and
1: share that client feedback with everybody in the team. Don't don't yeah. just
0: be greedy and keep it all to yourself. <laughs> no, the sports staff equally would love to hear it or, or anyone. So, so we always, you've covered a lot. We always wrap up the the Lumia live podcast with a a little bit of a a tip from our experts um for for people that are as you mentioned at the start they're really curious they think they want to do values-based advice it's it's the next big shiny thing on their their you know FY22 project plan for their practice but you know they're a little bit nervous around where to start or or they're not quite sure what would one tip be for you from you to, to those people that are thinking I want to do it but but I'm not quite sure
1: I would say, well, my first reaction to this would be, do it anyway, and I think someone's already stolen that one. Yeah, uh, that, I think it comes up the all the time. Guest
0: you've do, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. It hurts I, when we, when we always interview advocates because they're all like, "We'll just do it." Yeah, just do it. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Look, I actually think I, I think don't be frightened of it um, because there is. It's totally understandable to have a little bit of fear and trepidation about doing something so differently in your business what if I get it wrong what if somebody says something that's really emotional I don't know how to handle it you know what if I'm not a psychologist what if something comes up that I any of those things uh, you will learn how to do it well you will enjoy the conversations that you have with clients and you'll also enjoy this ability for them to truly measure what is it that they you know, how are you impacting their life? Far more than, oh, you helped us pay the hell and loan off. It's it's you, you're lifting. You will see that you will be lifting their confidence and their happiness and their their satisfaction in life. So don't be fearful of, of, of where it's going to take you. Um, you know, don't underestimate. Your, if you're already an advisor, it's because you're pretty good with people already. So it's not going to be as foreign to you as it might feel at the outset. You'll probably find you've got this real natural affinity for it. Um. And, yeah, just don't be afraid. Just jump in.
0: I love it. Give it a crack. Enjoy I love it. it. Give it a crack. Sue, <laughs> um, so thank you so much for, for spending some of your valuable time with us today on the Lumiant Live podcast. To, to recap, we've covered, you know, what you should consider as a, as a practice owner or a practice principal around uh, changing your client engagement process, so thinking through your client value proposition, thinking, doing a little bit of a, a gap analysis on where and where it doesn't show up in your process now, getting your entire team on board, getting them excited, um, embracing things like the role play. Uh, in 25 minutes, we've gone through a, a ton, Sue. So thank you so much. I know the uh, the Lumia Live listeners will be really excited to, to take those tips on board and, uh, and implement that into their practice.
1: Uh, I hope I've helped. It's been lovely chatting with you.
0: Lovely as always, Sue. Have a great day.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Mark. You too. Cheers.